Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. Okay, I hit the button. There is no turning back. We have started the roller coaster ride. You are locked in. You're you're locked into this podcast. You cannot turn away now because we are about to go on an adventure. I can't wait to introduce my guest today because she's an absolute badass. And I don't just say that about everyone. You say that about everyone, Casey. No, 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 no. If you if you come to this show, you're here for Myth Smash because we can't stand the bullshit. We can't stand things that aren't true being spoken about. Well, guess what? If you connect with my guest today after the show and you follow her LinkedIn, she is smashing myths on almost every post and telling it like it is. Nope, it's not this, it's this, it's this. And it's so refreshing to see that she is tough and you need that in the industry she specializes in, industrial marketing. Industrial marketing brings up so many thoughts for people. Are they behind? Are they, what's going on, right? And so she is in industry leading. She's a marketing leader and thought leader. She's a fellow podcast of the podcast called Purposeful Marketing, which I love. Head of marketing at Map My Customers, Mary Keo. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Casey. I'm so pumped to be here. Yeah, let's get after it. I mean, your LinkedIn is littered with like broken myths everywhere. So I'm going to pass you this thing. It's heavy though. Yes. Can't wait for <sighs> it. Oh. Okay. Here you go. Go ahead, grab that. You got it? Yes, okay. got it. Take Thor's hammer, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. Okay. The myth I am busting today is that the digital buyer's journey can and should be tracked, especially in Boom. B2B. Can and should be tracked. Yep. All right. Let's do this. Why? If you flip this in the reverse, which so many people think in the opposite, oh, no, you, you can't really track it, so why bother, right? Wh where does this myth come from? Why are so many people going the opposite direction? Yeah, I think that, you know, five to even 10 years ago, your main source of information was Google. You know, you, maybe you had a couple of communities. Like, the internet was still pretty new. Nobody had mobile phones yet, so you couldn't access it from just anywhere. Not everybody even had a computer. Like, I remember um, fighting with my sisters to play, like, Sims on a Friday night, right? So the internet was just, yes. like, so new. So there wasn't a ton of places to find and get information. So you were going to Google. That's how you found people because that was the main source, like, the main big traffic center. So it made sense then because, yeah, most of your stuff probably did come from Google or like AIM. You know, do you remember AOL and yeah. Messenger? <laughs> so you probably like shared We're something on ourselves, AIM. ourselves though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like where all your information came from. So it made sense to track the digital buyer's journey then. And same thing when kind of those really nascent e-com stores started popping up. You could really only buy stuff off somebody's website. So it was really clear. It was like, okay. I went into Google, I typed in, um, you know, running shoes for women, 
and I landed on someone's website. I bought the shoes and they were delivered to me. Like I bought them on Zappos. It was a very clear right. buyer's journey. Then you have not only the introduction of like large scale social media platforms, you have Facebook, you have Instagram coming in. Then much later, you have like YouTube getting bought by Google. You have Twitter, you have TikTok, like just yeah. insane amounts of places to get information now. And so much more difficult to track. So we have all these places where you can get information. And now everyone has a basically a laptop in their pocket. So I can pull out my phone right now and access any one of those social media networks. I can access Google. I can access Safari. You know, now we have multiple different right. browsers. Like there's just so many places to get information and very few of them are trackable across the entire internet, which is a good thing. Honestly, I don't want all of my data shared across every single platform. So that makes it much, much more difficult to track. But unfortunately, because it was so easy for so long, like Google yeah. was the major player for so long, that that mindset is still stuck in B2B, that we can track everything online. So I, what you know what I think I might have even done when you stated the myth, I almost believed it as like that was the truth. Yeah. So I got to clarify, are we saying that we, you, you can't and you shouldn't track it or you, or you should track it? I'm saying that you should track what you can track, but that the myth yeah. that everyone still believes, not necessarily marketers, but I would say certain C-suite, so CMOs, maybe CEOs, maybe CFOs, especially if you know what I'm talking about, are still convinced yeah. that you can... So, for instance, this podcast, if we were right. doing a podcast at a B2B organization and the CFO came to me and said, what's the ROI of this podcast? It's like, I don't know. I can't tell you who's listening <laughs> to the podcast. Like, what, right. what do you want me to do? Yeah. So the right. myth is that all of these digital channels can be tracked or even should be tracked, but they can't. You can't track every single step in the buyer's journey. And Arguably, I don't think that you should track them. So I see this, this makes sense. I am even just, see, this is good for me because I, I'm even just swimming <laughs> in the myth right now. Like, of course you can track a lot of things, um, but you're right. Like most of the time, if someone was listening to this show, I hear about it, one-off conversations. I, I heard your show, it was fantastic or or I hate your show, but I, I listen to each and every one of them. But, you know, but it's not a tracked and marketing automation, you know, properly assigned to a source, you know, beautifully orchestrated ROI picture, right? It's very fuzzy. Yes, exactly. Like the story that sticks out in my mind the most is when I was working at an in-house, um, I was working in-house marketing at a B2B industrial company and COVID had just hit. We were doing this in-person seminar series. We had been doing it for years and obviously can't do in-person stuff anymore. So I was like, went to my leader and I was like, we have to do a webinar series. We can take all the lectures from this two-day in-person event, space it out over like nine months and just give a lecture one time a month. It'll be great. And I had a really supportive leader at the time. He was like, yes, do it. But you have to talk to corporate marketing. So just like make sure that they're involved in some way. 
And I'll never forget. They were like, cool. Yeah. So like, what's the ROI? I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> what was the ROI of the seminar? Like we had customers come in. We were educating them. This is free education for our customers. I mean, if we really want to, sure, we could track every single person who attended. We can track them on emails. But Casey, this was my favorite thing. So they're asking me, what's the ROI? They're assuming we can track all these things, right? We still had a hard-coded CRM, a non-cloud-based CRM that didn't track anything. Everything was manual entry. And I was like, oh. you're seriously asking me the ROI of this webinar series when we have like a hard-coded CRM? Like, come on. Like, at some point, it was just like, you got to give a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this, I mean, this is a great point. How do you even begin to have those conversations with leadership it isn't the cfo just going to be like well you're an idiot and i'm going to talk to the ceo about replacing <laughs> right like oh, how do absolutely. you even have that combo <laughs> okay so i struggled with this concept for years um was following chris walker and a bunch of people at refine labs um and sure. then got lucky enough to kind of get connected in that network and talk to other marketers who really believed in this concept of like true demand generation measuring the digital buyer's journey like what can and should be measured and I finally have a grasp on how I can explain this in a way where the CEO and the CFO can kind of get behind it. So you have to take a step back. And what does a CEO and a CFO love? They love logistics. They love like very neat little boxes that you can stack things in. So that's totally. how you have to explain your marketing programs. So I'll use the webinar series um, as an example. Like this is how I should have approached it. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to measure everything about the webinar in stages with an end goal. So if the end goal is get five more customers, okay, this is our end goal. Now we work backwards from there. So our sales cycle is, you know, anywhere from like six to 12 months, depending on the customer. So let's backtrack from, so from 12 months. So revenue, we have closed one revenue as the goal. Pipeline would be the next step. A high intent lead would be the step before that. And the step before that would be validation. So now we just timeline all those pieces out. So the way that I should have explained it is for the first eight weeks, all we're going to do is validate that people like the content. Are the right people showing up? Are they engaged? Are they asking questions? Do they keep coming back? That's all I want to know for like the first two or three episodes. From there, after three episodes, we should start seeing people coming to us being like, hey, I get it. You guys are incredibly intelligent about this space. Like, I want to buy from you or I at least want to talk to someone about buying from you. So we should see high intent leads if like the end goal is revenue. If we're not seeing high intent leads by three months, kill it. Go ahead. Put me on the shopping block. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the hit. Um, and then. Eventually, within three months after that, we should start to see those leads turn into revenue or pipeline. And then, you know, three to six months later, we should start to see it turn into revenue. So breaking it down in those steps really helps like the CEO and the CFO kind of conceptualize marketing in those boxes, those neat little boxes that they like. And it gives like marketers the credibility to say, hey, if this isn't working, I'm with you. We should kill it. You're right. If we're not hitting our goals by a certain time period, Let's move on and try something different. Yeah. It, and that is so logical. And yeah, okay. 
So you're, you're telling me you have checkpoints where if we don't hit those, you're going to do something different. You're not just running us off a cliff, which to be fair is probably exactly what my predecessor did, yeah. which is why you brought me in the first place. So <laughs> it's not like this is new. Um, okay. So yeah, start here, validate three months in high intent leads. And, and then from your perspective, are what are you doing from your end to try to ensure that things are moving down that that pathway? Yeah, that's an awesome question. So I think communication is key. So making sure you're communicating at each step in that journey. I'll keep using the webinar example. So just like yeah, I, I did do this step, which is great, um, but I should have done it a little bit better. Um, here's who's attending. Here's their job title. Here's the company they work at because CEOs get really excited when they hear, you know, their ICP is actually coming to these events. <laughs> so here's who's showing up. This is really cool. Here, here's who keeps showing up. Here's the questions they're answering. So that's all during the validation stage. You're just giving them all of the positive, qualitative signals that you're seeing. This is all working. It's great. I'm excited. And then from there, we make sure we're tracking the high intent leads from the webinar. So are people who are attending the webinar or at least registered for the webinar and maybe watching the recording later coming to the website and saying, I want to talk to somebody about your product. And then from there, of course, pipeline and then revenue. So I think right. just making sure you're communicating the right metrics at the right time. Okay. That makes total sense. It, you know, it's smart too on the recording. I've seen this myself, even sometimes your customers come from the recording people, not from the attendee people. You Like you never know. Sometimes they're too busy to attend, but they saw it and they thought, okay, you just got credit for it, even though they didn't even come. Exactly. And eventually they, they hop, they hop in that pipeline. Like, Ooh, let me, let me hang out here in this pipeline river. Uh, crazy, crazy cool. So I can see that totally winning you the credit. Are there any other challenges or any other things you need to consider? Like, I want to do this the right way. So if I'm getting off of the myth of thinking I can track everything, thinking I can ROI everything, uh, what else should I be thinking about? Yeah. So as the marketer, so as the CMO, CMO or marketing leader, you do have to track what you can track. So the pieces that I track um, in our marketing program right now are stuff like the how did you hear about us on the high intent form fill? So what are we seeing qualitatively in those? And, you know, from a marketing ops perspective, how can we start to bucket those and make it a little more automated? So, you know, for your podcast, for instance, Casey, you might have people come to you and say, hey, I want to work with you. Heard about you on your podcast or hardcore marketing show or this episode with Rand Fishkin, which I listened to, which was really good. You listen um, to that one? Yeah, yeah it was awesome. So you can start to bucket those like in your CRM and just like funnel those into a group called podcast, right? So the other right. things that you can look at how are they, you know, how are your marketing attribution inside your CRM? Are they coming through um, a, like is the original source organic search? Is it direct traffic? Is it paid search? Like all the good stuff. Those are still worthwhile to track, just not on its own. Like make sure you're tracking all of this in an ecosystem. And some of the right. other things I'll track are like landing page. So the first page they're landing on. I'll track their conversion point. So where are they actually converting from just somebody who's on our website to an actual lead? So all of that stuff matters. 
So taking the, all of that like holistic picture rather than just focusing on one source of attribution, I think can give you a much better picture as the marketing leader saying, here's what's working and here's what's not. Okay. Question for you that really came up as you were describing this. You know, I think we've even talked about this in, in the past, the idea of it not necessarily being a, an assembly line. It's not a factory where we're building a Tesla car with robots and magically at the end you have revenue from your lead, right? So how do you balance that with the understanding that you've, you've kind of set the CEO and the CFO to know that there are these stages that people are hitting, but it's not an assembly line, but it kind of is, or how do you wrap your head around that? Yeah. So the way that I explained it here at Matt, my customers, like before I was even hired, like I didn't even want to take a job if they thought of marketing as a piece of this assembly line. So the way that I've seen it play out in definitely in SaaS, a little bit in manufacturing, but I'll talk about how it's slightly different in manufacturing is we have this okay, concept yeah. where marketing gets the leads, sales converts the leads into customers, customer success keeps the customers happy and retains them. So we have this very like siloed pieces of the customer journey. But in actuality, it should really be more of like an ecosystem. So we have, of course, like marketing should be coming up with leads, but they should be asking customer success. Hey, what are some frequently asked questions during the onboarding journey? Like how can we address those with some content pieces? What um, are the challenges you're getting when you're up for renewals? Like what kinds of questions are people asking? Are there product features they didn't think we did that we actually do do? And maybe we need to create a content piece around that. Same thing with sales. Hey, when you guys are getting these high intent leads coming in, how are the conversations? What are the quality of the conversations? Who are you guys having the best conversations with? All of this can help feed yeah. back into marketing so that they're not just this, you know, pumping up the leads metric for no good reason <laughs> necessarily. Right. And same thing with sales, like sales should be coming back to marketing. Like it should be more of a communication ecosystem than this siloed assembly line where we just hand pros like hand prospects off to the next assembly line worker <laughs> and help them convert them into the next thing, you know? Absolutely. Uh, so communications ecosystem, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's like a, 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 a chatty playground, like things are, things are just happening. <laughs> We're just running around and we're learning things. Yeah, I love have that. You, what have you, yeah, what have, you, what have you gained and learned from your customers? Like, ha, how do you see them respond when you shift off of that assembly mindset? Do, do they feel that impact too? I think so. So the, I'll give a super specific example of a positive outcome we've seen as a result of this kind of communication ecosystem and addressing concerns at each stage of the customer journey. So addressing stuff with content. So right when I came on, I watched a bunch of sales demos. I talked with my sales leader, talked with my customer success leader. We overhauled all the copy on the website, totally new paid social campaigns, really focused on customer problems. So just like bare-faced, like, are you struggling with this thing? And then right. having them, oh, yeah, I am struggling with this. And then click on it. Hey, you, know, you, had, you had an example even from like Map My Customers, like what, what's one of the pain that you solved that you might integrate into an ad? Oh, absolutely. So 
the one of the biggest pain points we have from sales leaders. So our ICP is a director or VP of sales for an outside sales organization. So these are salespeople who are in the field three or more times a week. They're driving around, they're visiting multiple customers per day. And the biggest frustration for these sales leaders are like, sometimes my sales guys are driving right past other customers, but they don't know. <laughs> they don't know because right. like, it's not on a map. They just have this list, this like, you know, their Excel spreadsheet or they have a notebook and there's a customer two miles away, but they have no idea they're there. They're driving right past our current customers, but it's not in oh, their geez. typical day. Yeah. So that was like our first thing. So we had this big ad. I'll never forget it. It was just called um, Stop Driving Past Revenue. And it was like this guy, he's like super frustrated. Damn. Yeah, it was perfect. So had a lot of clicks on that. And what we saw later, this is super interesting. Of course, the salespeople are having better conversations because the people coming in are like, you get me. Like, you understand yeah. like, the, the frustrations I'm experiencing in my job today, which is awesome. And then our sales guys started doing these ride-alongs, which they didn't get to do before because before they were going all outbound, right? So they're just like kind of dragging people into a demo like please yeah. just watch our product for like 10 minutes and then come back to another call um but switching <laughs> it to the switching it to this inbound motion where people are excited to talk with sales guys these sales guys started going on ride-alongs with reps at prospect companies and they would get in the car and just show them like okay here's how you should like map out your day and map my customers wow. here's like how you should report up to your manager like there's no way they could have done that before because they didn't have that inherent trust and credibility built up before the first demo. So cool. I could yeah. see that even being like almost like a little documentary series where you're like, okay, we're in the car. We're going to go with the sales rep as they uh, drive around. How did that one go? You know, it's like a little YouTube series. That's so fun. Oh my gosh. I'm writing that down. That's such a great idea. <laughs> Right. Like I, I was just watching this other one uh, the other day where this um, this boss up in Boston, actually, he uh, drives around, talks to homeless people, talks to them about getting how he got sober 11 years ago. And he's like, do you want a job? You know, here's a blanket. Here's a tent. But do you want a job? And he's just driving around. But it's like that same kind of thing where it's like he's in a car, you're driving around and you want to know what's going on. And it's just fascinating to watch. Yeah. I watch this other YouTube series where this guy goes to just like explores different places in the United States that you don't hear a lot about. So like one of them was like Appalachia because you like hear a lot of like oh, how wow. drugs are just like crushing that area and stuff. But he goes into these places and like will interview people in the homes and they're like, oh yeah, like drugs is kind of a problem, but it's actually like over there, like in this totally other <laughs> area. Like we're just living our lives like in small town America over here. But same concept where he just like you follow him around yeah. and you just like you feel like you're there. Yeah, sponsored by Matt, my customer. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Oh. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, that and that just makes content, too, and makes, you know, we talk about so much, there's so much boring marketing content out there. That's interesting. That I'd watch yes. that and get advertised to at the same time and be appreciative of it. You know, it's not the ad that it interrupts your day. I was, just the other day, I was talking to someone about advertising. And I just shared how disappointed I am with like cable TV and, and other places where 
you know so much about me and you're still going to show me an ad for this random drug that I definitely don't even comprehend what it is and I don't need it. <laughs> like show me an ad about like marketing tech or something like, ooh, look at that. Like, you know, in between the plays on a football game, it's like, oh, look at this SaaS product that does it. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. Let me get my notebook out, you know, yes. like that would be fantastic. So I can see, yeah. I can see that kind of, you know, being that much closer to your customer and allowing them to drive around on their own and do their own thing, but be a part of that journey with them, whether it's physically in the car, you know, with your own product or just the, the marketing sense, you're, you're giving them, you're allowing them to have control. They always had control, but you're like acknowledging that they have control, you know? Yes. Yes. That's such a great point. Absolutely. Um, the other yeah. interesting thing, go ahead. No, 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 you. I was going to totally change it. Oh, please. Oh, me too. Perfect. Um, well, so <laughs> the other thing I've been thinking about, and this is like a direct result of marketers trying to prove the ROI of everything, is marketers sure. end up taking on way too much. Like that's another, it's not like a, this isn't necessarily a myth. I guess if I had the opposite, it would be a myth. Oh, it's but, a myth. Smash it. Yeah. Um, marketers are doing way too much like you're doing too many things like you need to stop and refocus your efforts because that also helps with like those ceo cfo conversations so i'll give you an example i'm part of this awesome community called industrial marketing live if you're not a part of it just you know dm me on linkedin and i can get you in and it's just industrial marketers you know giving advice, coming to you with problems, doing recommendations for stuff like, you know, a CRM or your tech stack or whatever. And man, I would hear all the time of just like a marketing manager at an industrial company. They are conducting all of the trade shows. So they're organizing all the trade shows for the year, which could be anywhere from like five to 25 trade shows in a single year. So they're coordinating Jeez. all the trade shows. They're writing all the blogs. They're doing all of the product releases. So industrial companies release a lot of products, especially if you're a multi-product company. You'll do a lot of like updates to a, a current product. Like a, I used to work in spray systems, so a spray nozzle. You know, the spray nozzle might get updated every three sure. or four years. And, you know, you have to do a big product release. So they're handling all the product releases. They're handling the entire website. So they're in charge of all the website content. Any edits that engineering wants to make to the website, they have to handle it. They're doing all of the print materials. So not only for the trade shows, but just to like have lying around like catalogs, bulletins, all that good stuff. And I'm just like, this is too much. Like, and then they're handling organic social media. Like, I'm like, what? Stop. Just stop. Like, we need to take a yeah. step back. Um, and that goes right back into kind of what we were talking about with Matt, my customers. So all of those problems that we, we address when I'm talking to sales and my customer success team, when we put out content, it's all driven through the podcast. So if we have like a question, um, I'll give a really specific one. We had yeah. this kind of issue where companies didn't really understand what made the CRM implementation successful. So from that moment when you purchase it, how do I effectively roll it out to my team, right? So we actually are really good at this. Like our customer success team is really good at this and we call it crawl, walk, run. And we have really specific steps in this crawl, walk, run phase. So what sure. I did was just bring the head of customer success onto the podcast. 
we interviewed him. So me and my head of sales. So we had marketing sales and customer success on the podcast. We talk about it for 45 minutes. What does it mean to crawl, walk, run a CRM rollout? That became a blog. It became mini clips, so mini videos, because we did a video recording of the podcast. It becomes a podcast if someone wants to listen to the full audio. It becomes a full video on YouTube. So just taking a step back and saying, how can I maximize this one single program? Like, how can I squeeze every last drop out of this program to make sure that it's fueling all of my other marketing efforts? So you kind of take marketing out of this activity trap of just like checking the busy box. You know, I'm just doing all of this stuff. I don't know how any of it is contributing to the overall business. When you take a step back and, you know, do less, as in less programs, but maximize your output of that program, it just totally flips what marketing is capable of. Totally. Love the activity trap. Getting out of the activity trap makes total sense. And you are preaching to the choir on podcasts. <laughs> How how long you've been doing that, and and what, how did you make the connection of maximizing that content from like a single interview turning into thirty different things? Yeah, so I pretty much stole it from past stuff that I had done both at when I was in house and then at the agency. Um, sure. With like with like scopes of work and all that good stuff, you kind of have to. You're kind of forced to do as much as you can with a little bit. So I just kind of took that and scaled it. And the really cool thing is we were already doing a podcast. So before I came on, they had like maybe seven or eight episodes already. And they were all interviews with sales leaders. So it was like free customer research, like free, yeah. free case studies, free customer testimonials, just like sitting there. And it was just like, as soon as I listened to them, it was this epiphany. Like, why are we not doing more with this? Why are we not making mini videos of customer testimonials and then throwing right. them out on all over social media. Why are we not putting it on our website? It was just like, it just felt like this gold mine just sitting in Apple podcasts. Totally. Pre, I mean, pre, that, that's totally it. And it's so exciting to come into a company and already have the customer research started, you know, yeah. and, and you can hear it too. It's not it's not like somebody told you what they heard on it. Maybe they weren't listening or they're trying to fit into their own box. You can just hear straight from the customer's, customer's mouth. This is what I feel and what I'm looking for and seeking. Here's my problem. Are there any challenges with podcasting? Yeah. So the challenge we're looking at right now is just we do a mix of customer interviews and then point of view content. So stuff that fits sure. our narrative. And we're definitely doing great on the POV narrative stuff. My head of sales is a really, really great podcast host. Uh, the struggle is honestly getting customers to keep coming on. Like we've, we're kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel here because we also pushed up um, podcast production from once a month to twice a month. So nice. I, think that's, I think that's like probably the hardest struggle. But the way that we've kind of shifted it is we'll just interview people who fit our ICP. Rather, they don't necessarily have to be a customer. They can just be a sales leader at an outside sales organization. Right. And then, yeah. and now you're actually prospecting while you're, while you're doing that. And then, and now you may even have some direct ROI, you know, without even trying because you've yeah. interviewed perfect customers on the show and made some connections. That's fantastic. 
Yeah, I think my my favorite thing about the podcast and the the way that we've made it kind of this content flywheel is we've pushed stuff out onto YouTube, we've pushed it out on organic LinkedIn, we've pushed it out on, you know, my head of sales LinkedIn page. And we had a prospect recently come in and the sales cycle was insane, Casey. It was like two weeks. Our sales cycle <laughs> before that was like seven months, you know? And right. this guy right. this guy was like, Nope. You guys had all your content on your website because we had pushed it all out. Um, you guys had videos. I feel like I know, I know you, JT, who is the head of sales. I feel like I know Justin, the head of customer success. Like, I'm in. Like, let's let's get this going. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah it's not it wasting awesome. one's time here. Let's go. Send, yeah. send over the document. Let's let's yeah. do this. Wow, fantastic. Man. Um, what kind of books or podcasts or where do you go to learn? Yeah. So I listen to a ton of podcasts, including yours. Thank you for introing. Hey. <laughs> we have the best um, guest ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, I listen to Revenue Vitals, which is Chris Walker's podcast. Um, Shout I out listen, to Chris. He was on here. Yeah. Drank oh, like nice. four cold brews before the show. Then like at least one of them during the show. So it was, it was pretty energetic. Oh, man. He was probably jacked. Yeah. I felt slow with like one coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, let's see, who else do I listen to? Oh, Anna Fermanov has a really great early stage. So if you're an early stage company, she has a great one called The Modern Startup. Um, I read a lot of books, mostly recommendations from, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Daniel Murray. He's the marketing millennial. Um, he runs that whole newsletter in the social media pages. He recommends a ton of books in his newsletter. Yeah. Yeah. He was also on here before he was famous. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Totally. He's a good guy. Really good guy. Yeah, he is. He's great. Yeah. So um, what's, what did I read recently that I really liked? Oh, I think it was called The Next CMO. So it was about like truly creating an operational marketing team. So exactly what we were talking about during this whole podcast is like, how do you prove that marketing can be this very well-constructed well constructed department within an organization. So that one was a really cool read. Sweet. I'll definitely check that one out, the next yeah. CMO. Well, that brings me to this next question, which is, like, who are you? How do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time to, like, little you days, you know, you know running around a little kid? Did you know you're going to be a marketing leader and on podcasts <laughs> and all these things and creating these giant flywheels. Like, take me back in time to little you. Yeah, definitely did not think, I don't even think I knew what marketing was until I was like <laughs> right. in college. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, little me wanted to be, um, I think I wanted to be president of the United States, which is very funny. I would never be president yeah. now. Still have time. Um, yep. And you then. You have about 60 years more that you can, you yeah. know, like. You could be at 90, I guess, and, and do that. So. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I'll have to make sure I keep my health in check. Hey, I'll vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to write you in for this upcoming yes. election? Yes, let's do it. Excellent. Okay, <laughs> so you want to be president. Yep. And then when I was like actually in school, like high school and college, um, I kind of was vacillating between like being a lawyer or a professor. So I graduated with a degree in English, ultimately chose the professor route. So I actually um, was accepted into a program. I was like in the PhD program. 
at University of Illinois, Chicago. Um, I thought, yep, this was going to be my life. I spent like a one semester there and I hated it. I was like, this is dumb. Like I don't. So the reason and this is brings me it makes a really good like segue into marketing. I was like, yeah, why am I going to read this stuff and write papers on it that like 10 people are going to read? I was like, that just makes no sense to me. Like I. I wanted to like, you know, change the world with my with my thinking and my yeah. thoughts and stuff. And I was like, this just seems like so silly. So got out of that and kind of like bounced around with some like contract editing jobs and finally found this opportunity to be a technical writer at an industrial company. Um, really, really enjoyed it. And my leader at the time who I talked about, who was like, yes, go for it. He was super supportive, um, was kind of challenged me. He was like, Mary, I think that you should try doing some, he called it like business development, but it was like kind of a mix between like sales and marketing for this small department in the organization. He's like, I think you should start doing some stuff like this. It was like emailing, um, some really basic like bulletins, brochures. We were releasing this new product. He was like, I want you to take this on. And I, it just was like, you know, perfect like puzzle piece like I just took yeah, to right. it like really fast I really loved it I loved seeing what kinds of content people liked and didn't like so it was like maximizing that piece that I wanted from my PhD English program which is writing stuff that people actually wanted to read so it right. was just really cool I just loved it right away and technical writing can be really dry and I can because I did a little bit of that too and and I can totally see like your personality being a little bit restrained with some technical writing. Like, okay, oh, we don't want, you know, a lot of fun in this manual on how to use this giant laser. So just please write what we need to do. Okay, fine, fine. But, like, I just kind of want to throw like an emoji in there or a zinger, you know? So I can yes. totally see it's good, but it's a good background to then launch into industrial marketing where you have a solid background understanding. You got to talk specifications and all these things, but 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 shifting over to talking problems and issues. So kudos to that boss. Shout out. Who who was he? Want to give him a little give a little yeah. shout out on the pod? Yeah, his name was Rudy. He's awesome. He's the chief innovation officer at uh, my former job now. He's fantastic. Shout out to Rudy. That's awesome. So he saw something in you that was like, you need to have this copy seen by more people. Yep, that's exactly what it was. He was like, he could just tell like, I was a doer, like I could execute on stuff and like make it better. So he, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And I think that that's like such a common thread in a lot of people who are successful in marketing is they have this person who challenged them and helped guide them. Maybe not in like, you should be a CMO or you should be in marketing, but just right. like you can take, you can level up. Man. Crazy, craziness. Well, I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you. Yes. Uh, you see, I may or may not have a time machine up here in New Hampshire. Ooh. So next time you do an industrial event, one of the many conferences in Boston, come visit. We'll use the time machine. Yes. And now it's, I do have one. Let's be honest. I do have one. We'll use <laughs> the time machine. We go back in time, but it's a particular kind of time machine. And you get to go visit yourself. You get to visit Mary a couple days after getting that degree that that english degree you you haven't experienced the the professor route just yet you haven't 
enjoyed all the marketing and all these other things, but you get to visit with her. You can talk to yourself. You can tell yourself anything. What would you say? Okay, this is going to be really sappy and dorky, um, but I yes. met <laughs> I met my husband at a running store in um, the town that I lived in, uh, Naperville, Illinois. Um, we both worked there, so he worked there. It was a part-time job. It was my full-time job out of college while I was taking those, you know, random contract editing jobs. And I probably would have told myself to go there sooner. Like, you you should meet this guy named Mike. Like, that's what I would have said to to me. So, so dorky that was sappy. One of the coolest answers. Yeah, but that's one of the coolest answers I've ever heard. I've heard a lot. I've asked like 300 people what they would tell themselves. And that is just the cool. Shout out to Mike and the running store for making it all happen. That's Heck cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Just <laughs> get there you. sooner. Yeah, yeah all these other it. things will work themselves out. Yep. But yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So yep. cool. Well, like, I want to thank you so much for coming on here. I've had so much fun smashing myths, talking Heck about yeah. podcasting, and even running stores. I mean, this has been awesome. So thank you, Mary. <laughs> thank you, Casey. This has been fantastic. Heck yeah. For those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. <laughs> I've literally run out of space. I'm in the margins. Then share this with one person, nine people, 3,000 people, but get, get good information into other people's hands. That's thought leadership. Uh, Man, so much to share. Break that buyer's journey up. Don't obsess over tracking things. And we've got some great strategies for the C-suite here. Mary, thank you again for this great, great combo. Heck yeah. Thanks, Casey. And if anybody's listening, go back and listen to Casey's podcast because apparently there's some episodes I still need to catch up on too. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And real quick, where can people, they want to connect with you? Where do you want them to go? How do you want them to shout you out? Map my customer. Where do they go? Come to my LinkedIn page, Mary Keogh, K-E-O-U-G-H. Can't wait to talk to you. And Matt, my customer, do you have like a demo they can do or they can, they can refer it to their sales leaders or what? Heck yeah. Just go to mapmycustomers.com. Um, get all the information you need as we talked about on this podcast. Hopefully you find a ton of great content to help you make the decision. And then, yeah, book a demo. There it is. There it is. This has been another crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.